If you remember back to the summer, I referred to the sermons I had in a glove box. This is one from my digital glove box. And I've had to add a few readings since. Revelation 1 is our topic, the glory of Christ, but I'd like to draw your attention to a few passages. Exodus, 20, uh, Exodus 25, first of all. This is about the golden lampstand. Exodus 25, and then a piece from Exodus 27, and then Zechariah 4, excuse me. So Exodus 25, right at uh, verse 31, so page 89. You shall also make a lampstand of pure gold. The lampstand shall be of hammered work. Its shaft, its branches, its bowls, its ornamental knobs, and flowers shall be of one piece. Oh, just a comment. When you hear the word bowls, and if you think of a lampstand, they ran their lamps not with candles, right? There was the olive oil-powered kind of lamp. If you just hold your hand like this in a dish, they would puddle olive oil in there, and there would be a wick on the end, and that would be a lamp. So you have to imagine at the top of all seven parts of the lampstand, you had a dish. You might hear bowl, but that's what it's referring to, a place where the olive oil can be. Its bowls, its ornamental knobs, and its flowers shall be of one piece. Verse 32, and six branches shall come out of its sides, three branches of the lampstand out of one side, and three branches of the lampstand out of the other side. Three bowls shall be made like olive blossoms on one branch, with an ornamental knob and a flower, and three bowls made like olive blossoms on the other branch, with an ornamental knob and a flower. And so for the six branches that come out of the lampstand. On the lampstand itself, Four bowls shall be made like almond blossoms, each with its ornamental knob and flower. And there shall be a knob under the first two branches of the same, a knob under the second two branches of the same, and a knob under the third two branches of the same, according to the six branches that extend from the lampstand. Their knobs and their branches shall be of one piece. All of it shall be ham one hammered piece of pure gold. You shall make seven lamps for it, and they shall arrange its lamps so that they give light in front of it. And its wick trimmers and their trays shall be of pure gold. It shall be made of a talent of pure gold with all these utensils. And see to it that you make them according to the pattern which was shown you on the mountain. Now, look at uh, chapter 27. Just a few verses there at the end. Verse 20. And you shall command the children of Israel that they bring you pure oil of pressed olives for the light to cause the lamp to burn continually. In the tabernacle of meeting outside the veil, which is before the testimony, Aaron and his sons shall tend it from evening until morning before the Lord. It shall be a statue forever to their generations on behalf of the children of Israel. Zechariah chapter 4 now. Let's see if I can get a page number. 1093. As I read this, I always think of a perpetual motion machine. This is about a super-powered lampstand. If, if you have a technical background, you're like, this lampstand will never run out of olive oil. 
Now the angel who talked with me, Zechariah 4, came back and wakened me as a man who was wakened out of his sleep. And he said to me, what do you see? So I said, I'm looking. There's a lampstand of solid, solid gold with a bowl on top of it. And on the stand, seven lamps with seven pipes to the seven lamps. Two olive trees are by it, one at the right of the bowl and the other on its left. So I answered and spoke to the angel who talked with me, saying, What are these, my Lord? And the angel who talked with me answered and said to me, Do you not know what these are? I said, No, my Lord. So he answered and said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel you shall become a plain, and he shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace, grace to it. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple. His hands shall also finish it. Then you shall know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. For who has despised the day of small things? For these seven rejoice to see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. These are the eyes of the Lord which scan to and fro throughout the whole earth. Then I answered and said to him, What are these two olive trees at the right of the lampstand and at its left? And I further answered and said to him, What are these two olive branches that that drip into the receptacles of the two gold pipes from which the golden oil drains? Then he answered me and said, Do you not know what these are? And I said, No, my Lord. So he said, These are the two, uh, literally, these are the two sons of oil who stand beside the Lord of the whole earth. Two oilers, maybe we'd say in English. One more reading. Um, Wait, before we get to our text, one more reading. It would be Revelation chapter 11. Again, this is about lampstand. Revelation 11, page 1415. Then I was given a reed like a measuring rod, and the angel stood, saying, Rise and measure the temple of God, the altar, and those who worship there. But leave out the court which is outside the temple, and do not measure it, for it has been given over to the Gentiles, and they will tread the holy city underfoot for forty-two months. And I will give power to my two witnesses. And they will prophesy 1,260 days clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two lampstands standing before the God of the earth. And if anyone wants to harm them, fire proceeds from their mouth and devours their enemies. And if anyone wants to harm them, he must be killed in this manner. These have power to shut heaven so that no rain falls in their days of their prophecy. You would be thinking Elijah, right? And they have power over waters to turn them to blood. You're thinking Moses, right? To strike the earth with all plagues as often as they desire. When they finish their testimony, the beast that ascends out of the bottomless pit will make war against them, overcome them, and kill them. And their dead bodies will lie in the street of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt where also our Lord was crucified. That's uh, as far as I'll read from Revelation 11. Just to give you a sense, the reference to the lampstand and the oil and the sons of oil. Revelation 1. Page 1406. This is 
the Word of God, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants things which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the Word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ to all things that he saw. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and, and keeps those things which are written in it, for the time is near. John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of, over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. I, John, both your brother and companion in the tribulation, by the way, this, this is where we're focusing on this morning, tuned into verses 9 to 20. I, John, both your brother and companion in the tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was on the island that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet, saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, and what you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamos, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the feet and girded about the chest with a golden band. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as it refined in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars. Out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, do not be afraid, I am the first and the last. I am he who lives, was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. Write the things which you have seen, the things which are and the things which will take place after this. The mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand, and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands which you saw are the seven churches. So far, the word of God. That was a little more scripture reading than usual. We still have a sermon yet, and after the sermon we're going to be singing Psalm, um, it's, it's this hymn, God himself is with us. It'll be page 62 in the provisionally approved ones. 
Page 62, God himself is with us. Congregation, loved by Jesus Christ our Lord, can you imagine Jesus Christ without his church? Many people do. Jesus without a church. Church, for a lot of people, is wherever a believer goes. Many are indifferent to gathering, supporting, and encouraging one another. You might think of church as one hour of a week on a Sunday. Can Jesus be without His church that's 24-7. A lot of people imagine that church is just a sermon. But can Jesus be without His church? Are we as interested and invested in the church as Jesus Christ is? Because here in Revelation 1, we get a vision, we get a picture with symbols and images to show us the glory of Jesus Christ. And this picture that you get, it is not what a lot of people would think is a picture of a glimpse into heaven. That's not what's going on. The Apostle John does not see into heaven in chapter 1. He sees the earth with heaven's glasses. He sees the church in a new light. That is the vision that he gets. And he falls to the ground. He is in awe. He has seen Christ in his glory. And Jesus Christ's glory is for his church, for his people. Today we're looking at that version, at at this vision that Jesus Christ has, and we see the glory that Christ has for His church. His protection and His care, His love for the church, even for the Owen Sound Canadian Reformed Church. The message I'm bringing is, see the glory, behold the glory of Christ for His church. This message starts with the Apostle John on Patmos, the island of Patmos close to Greece. And the authorities of his day, instead of putting him in prison or killing him, they chose to move him to this little island. Why would they put him on this island? Well, he tells us, because I, John, your brother and companion in the tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was on the island of Patmos for the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. Because I was preaching Christ. That's why I'm on this island. And the authorities have silenced John by putting him on an island where he could be canceled. No more influence. Ha! Says the Lord. Jesus Christ looks down from heaven and laughs at his enemies. I will use the Apostle John anyway. I'll get him to write some letters. I will send letters to the seven churches. In fact, I'll get those letters to be read by the seven churches 
and shared throughout the world that even today, here in Owen Sound, we're reading and hearing of these seven letters to the seven churches. In verse 11, he's told to write the revelation to seven churches. And I just want to go off on a little tangent for a moment on the number seven. Because you have to realize the symbolism. Number seven is a special number. Right from day one. In the Bible, you're counting up to day seven of creation. There's the fullness, the number of perfection, the number of completeness. But we have to be careful because you can't be absolutely literal and you can't be absolutely figurative or symbolic in this book. Seven is a real number. Start with that. Literally seven churches. And John writes to exactly that number. And that makes sense, because there are seven nearest. If you draw a line as a crow flies, the nearest churches are in Asia Minor. Closest ones to Patmos Island. And seven that are on the single trade route. The thing is here, seven stands for all churches. Right? There's that symbolic element embedded. They have to read each other's letters, and they get passed on to the next. For 2,000 years... Everyone's, everyone's been reading these letters. It stands, seven stands for 7,000, or 7,000 times 7 million. It's the church, universal. So you hear that with seven churches. But there's also, again, this is a little side note, on the seventh day. Sometimes I want to draw attention to that. When does the Apostle John see Christ in his glory? The Lord's Day. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day, verse 10 says. What is the Lord's Day? Well, historically, you've had the option of Day of the Lord and Day of Judgment, Day of Visitation, Day of Salvation. Lord's Day. Also, the Sabbath, the Old Testament Sabbath, the Lord had said, keep my Sabbath. And then, In the ministry of Jesus Christ, he says, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus Christ is saying, it's my day. So when Jesus Christ rose from the dead, the day that he meets with his disciples, not once, not twice, but with with only one exception, every time we know of, he's meeting his disciples, showing his glory on the Lord's day. I know some people, faithful Christians, say it doesn't really matter which day you meet for worship. As long as you've all agreed, let's say it would be a Wednesday or or something like that. But the scriptures have shown that this is a special day. It's a special day. Anytime you hear the Lord something, you take it pretty seriously. Right? This afternoon, you'll hear the Lord's Supper. It's unlike the others. Any other supper. And it's special, the Lord's Day is a special day for the Lord Jesus because it's a day that He does more work on than any other day of the week. What day does Jesus never rest on? The Lord's Day. What day does He hand out rest and relief? It's the Lord's Day. Anyway, that's something to dig into. The side point I was making is that when Jesus Christ shows up in glory, you know what day it is, right? 
You can set your calendar to it. The Lord's Day. Now back to the main point. Here's the Apostle John. He sees a vision. He sees Jesus in His awesome glory. And His glory is for the church to see. We have to understand it. We have to catch what the images are. It's answering the questions, what is Jesus like right now? What is Jesus Christ doing right now? Is he slouching in some lazy boy recliner? Is he in paradise having an easy time while his church is falling to pieces? False teachings, persecution, boredom, complacency? Well, we get the vision. And it begins with audio. It's amazing how often you have a vision. It's got full audio. Because John hears the voice of one speaking. It's like a trumpet. Known for being loud and clear. You can't ignore that signal. And this sound of the voice is meant for the Apostle John to turn. To scan the room, wherever, to scan the vision, to see where the sound is coming from, where the voice is coming from. And John turns, and this is what's happening in verse 12, where is Jesus, he's thinking. On turning, I saw seven golden lampstands. Now, golden lampstands are not your everyday, regular household item. You don't pick them up at Costco or Ikea. The golden lampstand. The churches have only heard of the golden lampstand. It was the one in the Old Testament tabernacle, the one in the temple. And as John writes these letters to the seven churches in a few moments, each of these churches have some Jewish background to them. They know they've got some synagogue members, Jewish people that can easily explain what the lampstand means. And every one of these churches would have known, even if they're in a Greek-speaking city. They would picture the lampstand that was normally in the holy place of the temple, and they heard about this. You know, we read Exodus 25, Exodus 27. There's more in Numbers 8. The lampstand with its seven olive oil-burning lamps. Don't think of candles. Think of lamps. And it was never allowed to go out. But what's the lampstand mean? What does it stand for? You get this part that the priests had to always make sure that each of the seven lamps on the stand was lit, was trimmed, had all the oil. But it makes sense. It makes sense to you that the holy place was well lit in that part of the temple. But you know, The lampstand stands for God's people. If I can give it to you without explaining how most commentaries have come to that conclusion, the lampstand stands for God's people. The seven parts of the lampstand represent individuals, unique people. Seven parts, seven branches. And these individuals, again, do the number seven and do the work for that. You have individuals, the seven. Maybe you have a literal church of the size of seven people. 
but it means the full number. Maybe you get 7D, maybe you get 700, maybe you get 7,000. It's the individuals of the church that together are all united with one brightness, one light. And then you're going to ask, what's the oil? What's all that symbolism, the picture of oil? Well, that stands for the Holy Spirit. The anointing oil, remember? It's also used for the lampstand. And I'd like to, I wish I had time to spend on Zechariah 4 and Revelation 11, about that perpetual motion machine that would always have the tree and the olive would fall and it would release its oil and the oil would just constantly supply the lampstand. The vision of Zechariah was amazing. It would say, there's a time when God's people will never run out of the Holy Spirit. It would not be an occasional thing to encounter the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit would always be dwelling in His people. But here's the twist. We see how many golden lampstands? John's vision. Seven. And he's like, wow. Is that blasphemy? Shouldn't there only be one? Are there, are there seven temples? Uh, what happened to the one that we knew about in Jerusalem? We'll have to wait for the angel to explain that the seven lampstands are the seven churches. We only have caught a glimpse. We've heard Jesus speak and we've had a glimpse of these seven lampstands, but now he sees Jesus Christ. And I want to get to that because that's our main first point here. He sees Jesus Christ in glory, and now we know where he's standing at least. There is Christ in the midst of the lampstands. And if you know the Old Testament background, the only time you've seen somebody in the midst of a lampstand He's somebody who's caring for the lampstand, trimming it, providing oil. And now you know Jesus Christ. He is the high priest. He's like those prophets, the sons of oil, who would be providing the word of God. And then verse 13, like a son of man. So you have prophet, priest, and king. It doesn't take much to, to pick that up. Here is king. You know that title, the Son of Man? One like a Son of Man? In His ministry, the Lord Jesus often used that to refer to Himself. You, maybe you get used to it. Matthew 8, verse 20. Foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay His head. Son of Man. Matthew 16. The Son of Man is going to come with His angels in the glory of His Father. Matthew 20, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, to give His life as a ransom for many. Luke 19, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. So here's Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, bold in His ministry, using that name because Son of Man is an awesome name. How dare He call Himself the Son of Man? Daniel 7. That's where it's from. The Son of Man would come 
To him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. So being called son of man is like saying, like no other man. And we'll get to why this is important in a moment. But John sees the Lord Jesus Christ in glory. And then he describes this to us from head to toe. Clothed with a long robe, like the high priest in the temple would wear. With a golden band or sash around his chest. It's telling us, here's a high priest. His hair was white, eyes like flames of fire, feet like burnished bronze, voice like a roar of many waters. Verse 16, in his right hand he held seven stars and from his mouth came a sharp double-edged sword. This is terrifying. And it's really odd as I say that this is terrifying because I can read this, we all read this together and not one of us falls to the ground and collapses. But John did. When he saw the vision... He's come into the presence of God Himself, and He is a creature. No one, no creature comes before God and manages to remain standing. All of us fall down, afraid for our lives. Well, it's a good thing John survived, right? Otherwise, we wouldn't read this. He describes this glory of Jesus, and I want you to, to know at least one point of application what could you remember from this Revelation 1? Jesus Christ is awesome. God Himself. He's not your buddy. He's not on your level. When you pray, you're praying to Him in glory. You're praying to His Father. You're praying to the One who is telling His disciples, John 17, I want my disciples to see my glory where I am. The glory that my Father gave me. John 17, 24. And the point so far, if you're following along, is that Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords with all authority. He is the high priest. He is the king. He is the prophet. Here's the Son of Man, given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages would serve Him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, Daniel 7 had said. And before we get to the explanation, we should be able to summarize here that this is the Son of God. This is the Son of Man, Jesus Christ. His face like the sun shining in full strength. He's among the lampstands. He's holding Bright stars, seven of them. Has anyone noticed the theme of light? Light from heaven? Because the explanation now begins in verse 17. Jesus lays his right hand on John and says, Fear not, I am the first and the last, he who lives. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, he's describing himself. Verse 8, the one who is and who was and who is coming. Wait, how's that an explanation? This is essential to understand. Jesus begins here 
You want to know my glory? I will tell you about myself. You're not just learning that Jesus is eternal, first and last, Alpha and Omega, but He who lives. And what we hear, Jesus says, I am the one who died and came alive. You have to know that about my glory. Verse 18, I was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. What's the point? Darkness and death had seemed to win for three days. Jesus says, I overcame darkness. My face, look at my face. My face is like the sun shining in full strength. And you know, when people are unwell, you can see it in their face, can't you? And you can see Jesus Christ is well. He's in glory. And here is Jesus saying to the apostle, tell the church, write it to the church, I have gone through death and now I am in this glory. And, and we've got to be hearing this. That Christ's glory didn't come easily. What if we were to go through tough times? Christ's glory didn't come easily. He died. And so the church, if you're feeling like you are in darkness, you face persecution. If you face the oppressive power of the evil one, the accusations of the devil, the, way, the, the, the distractions and the deception of the world, there are those who have overcome because they are in Jesus Christ, who is in glory after having emerged through darkness. So again, notice all of this about light. That the Lord Jesus, he's now explaining it even more in verse 20. As for the mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand, and the seven golden lampstands. You want to know what it is? The seven stars are the angels. I wince when I say that. The seven stars are the, the Greek word is angelos, messenger of the seven churches. And the seven lampstands are the seven churches. So we've seen, first point, the glory of Jesus Christ. And now secondly, I, I really want to highlight the glory is for the church. For His church. What's He holding what is Jesus Christ holding in his right hand right now? Remember, this is not a vision of what's going on in heaven, but this is a vision of Jesus Christ among his lampstand. If you had heaven's glasses on, what would you see about this place? Who is he holding? Who does he especially care for? Give attention to the seven angels of the seven churches. And again, I want to struggle with that word angel and, and replace it with the word messenger. Because in the original language, they wouldn't have been given a tip which way to lean. A messenger could be a heavenly angel. The first readers of these letters, they, they would have thought about Messengers. Are they the ones with the wings flying? 
The wings covering their faces, are they the ones in heaven? I believe these are the ones on earth. Ordinary angels called messengers. Maybe you would say ministers, elders. These are just messengers. We know from the letter of Acts that those seven churches had elders appointed in every one of them. These are pastors. They serve that role of pastoring and shepherding. Jesus holds them in His right hand. You even hear in the early church about regional pastors. They're called bishops often, like Polycarp, the bishop of Smyrna. And here is Jesus Christ carrying and protecting. He's sending these stars. You know those shiny things in the sky? Stars? It's too bad you're a little overly scientific when you read this. Because you might be thinking, well, stars, they have all this nuclear activity going on, and that's how they create their light, and then we could see it from light years away. Throughout history, and I mean universally, no matter what culture, what age you lived in, stars are powered by heaven. Divinely powered by God Himself. You have to think of stars as those powered by God. And the other thing, besides being light, receiving light from God, they are fixed. They don't just kind of move around. Stars are for guidance, navigation. There's your GPS. So you have the light of the stars. You have the truth of the stars. And over the next two chapters, the Apostle John will be writing a letter to each one of those pastors, those stars in the right hand of Jesus Christ. And he's writing messages to the pastors, to the elders. I want to summarize so far. You see Jesus? You see everything about Jesus is awesome. You see his face shining in full brightness. He's holding seven star messengers. And he's standing in the midst of seven lampstand churches. And maybe you catch a glint, a glimmer, a reflection off his sharp double-edged sword. I love my church, Jesus says. I love her. She is in a dark world. With what kind of love, you would ask? You could start in verses 5 and 6 of this chapter. He who loves us and has freed us from our sins by His blood and made us a kingdom priest. I want you to know His love in that He brings you His Word. Because all this world around you is darkness. It's in darkness and it promotes darkness. The world, according to this book of Revelation, has dragons and beasts, nations and peoples in darkness. And here is Jesus Christ in glory to bring light to His church. That's what we're on about. The book has judgment. Revelation has plenty of judgment and wrath. Almost no other book in the New Testament speaks of God's wrath more and torture 
And I want you to notice that it's not just wrath against the godless and the wicked world. This book will emphasize that there is also the great prostitute. It comes up later in this book of Revelation. That there's a religious people who seem to be close to God, but who is unfaithful. That prostitute, the Jews. And if those religious people get judged like this, what about us? What if I'm just pretending? How will we survive? So here's why I love the book of Revelation. It shows us Jesus Christ in His glory and He cares for His church by by bringing His light and His Holy Spirit. He wants us to be a lampstand that gives off light here in Owen Sound. We're His lampstand. Light for God's glory, but especially that we would worship in spirit and truth. Worship that would confess who God is. That we are lit by heaven itself. We reflect the light of God. Jesus says, you remember that time? You are the light of the world. No one puts a bucket over a lamp. You're the light of the world. So to be light, Jesus tends to each one of us. Like an Old Testament priest did. Walking amidst the lampstands. Making sure the lamps, the flames are burning. Working faith in you. And this is the image, a lampstand that has all the lights joined together, giving one light from heaven itself in this dark world. So Jesus sends messengers. I know he could send messengers to each of you individually, and he does. But in Revelation, for the church to survive in the challenges, he sends these ones that he's talking about, the stars in the right hand, the ones he's holding in his hand of power, his control. These are the stars that shine the light of God. By these, you're guided. They'll bring honest words of truth, encouragement, praise, even warnings and calls to repent. Jesus loves his church. He can summarize this vision like that without all the extra imagery if you want. Without all the extra explanation, you could say, yeah, Jesus loves his church. He spends time with her. But I hope you see that the Lord Jesus isn't standing in the midst of millions of little candles that are all on their own. They're not individual candles. Not isolated not socially distanced, just flickering on their own. No, you have a picture that we need the light of one another. There are thousands or millions of people who have no use for the church. No connection to fellow believers who flicker a little bit of light into their lives. Maybe you get one hour of a sermon online. Think about it. That's not being part of a lampstand church. A lot of people are fine with that. 
They almost never hear a messenger star sent by Christ, held by Christ in His right hand. And to them, the Word of God is not living and active. It's not sharper than any two-edged sword from the mouth of Jesus, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. No, no. For many, the light of God is uncomfortable. I'd rather not have it. It's understandable that people flee from it. But here's the point. For us to survive... For us to thrive as church, we need to see Jesus Christ. We need His face shining at full brightness, brighter than the sun, into our lives. Could be you're worried about the future of the church, even the future of Owen Sound Church. Does this church stand a chance in this world? What would make us strong? And then think individually, what would make you and me stand? Individual lamps and individual flames not blow out. It's Jesus Christ in His glory. I want to leave you with this. Jesus Christ is saying, this is my church. This is my lampstand. These are all my lampstands. I'm committed to her. I will tend her. I will make sure I supply her with my spirit. I will send her messengers with my word. I will shine brightly into my church. What do we need most? His word. His spirit. That's His light. Jesus says to you, I will make sure your light will not go out. Come what may. Tribulation. Think of persecution. Or you think of prosperity and the way we all go complacent. Jesus says, I will make sure you don't go out. I want to close with these words of Zechariah 4, 6 that we read. Not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Amen.